morning and welcome to worship here at our Savior's Lutheran Church on the fourth Sunday in Lent. Welcome to those of you that are joining us via our OSL podcast, through our YouTube channel, or for those of you that are joining us on our radio broadcast. We are delighted to have you here worshiping with us this morning. I want to extend a special welcome to Laura Eller, who is joining us this morning and who is sharing her gift of music with us. You heard her just moments ago sharing um, a prelude piece of music on the bassoon, and we will have a chance to hear from her again throughout our service. Laura, thank you so much for being here with us today. I remind you that there is a bulletin available for our service on our website at oslme.com. You can download that bulletin so that you can participate more fully in our service. I invite you, if you haven't already, to um, prepare for worship by lighting a candle and by gathering some bread and some wine or juice as we will be celebrating Holy Communion together a little bit later on in our worship service. We begin today with confession and God's word of love, grace, and forgiveness for us. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, the keeper of the covenant, the source of steadfast love, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Trusting in the one who is full of compassion, let us confess our sins as we pray. Fountain of living water, pour out your mercy over us. Our sin is heavy and we long to be free. Rebuild what we have ruined and mend what we have torn. Wash us in your cleansing flood. Make us alive in the spirit to follow in the way of Jesus as healers and restorers of the world you so love. Amen. Beloved, God's word never fails. The promise rests on grace. By the saving love of Jesus Christ, the wisdom and power of God, your sins are forgiven, and God remembers them no more. Journey in the way of Jesus. Amen. We sing together our gathering hymn, O Christ, Our Hope, hymn number 604, and we sing verses 1 through 4.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also Let us pray. O God, rich in mercy, by the humiliation of your Son, you lifted up this fallen world and rescued us from the hopelessness of death. Lead us into your light, that all our deeds may reflect your love. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. At this time, we join our Director of Children and Family Ministry, Denise Bick, for a children's message. Good morning and welcome to the fourth Sunday in Lent. Our color is still purple, and we have completed 22 out of the 40 days in our Lenten journey. How are you doing on your journey? Are you having a good time spending some time in prayer, in fasting, and in giving? Are you able to spend a little time during the week just thinking of Jesus and where he would have been over 2,000 years ago today? He'd still be out performing miracles and preparing everyone for what's coming, wouldn't he? Well, let's get to today's story. Open your World Story Bibles to page 74 as I read today's story titled, Snakes in the Wilderness. God's people were complaining. God rescued them from Egypt, but now they were stuck in the wilderness. They had to walk and walk and walk all day long. The people rubbed their tired, sore feet. They yelled at God and their leader, Moses. We're tired. There's no water. A bunch of snakes appeared among God's people. The more the people complained, the more the snakes bit the men and women and children. The people cried out for help. Ow, that snake bit me. God, take these horrible snakes away. Help us, God. We were wrong not to trust you. God was with the people in the wilderness. God heard them asking for help. God spoke to Moses, and Moses listened to God's instructions. Make a snake out of bronze. Raise it up high on a staff. If someone is bitten, tell them to look at the bronze snake, and they will live. God's people kept walking for days and weeks and months through the wilderness. Sometimes there were snakes. Many times their feet were tired and sore, but now they could look up at the bronze snake and live. They trusted God to save them, and knew God was always with them. So this story begins with a group of people called the Israelites. They were the slaves from Egypt that Moses freed, and they were headed to the land that God had promised them called the Promised Land. But to get to the Promised Land, they had to travel through the desert wilderness with Moses as their guide. You see, they had to travel on foot and they had to carry with them all their belongings. So imagine how hard that must have been for all of them. When they were thirsty, God provided them with water. And when they were hungry, God provided them with manna and even quail. He also protected them from their enemies. And still, as time went on, they became discontent or unhappy. They started complaining to Moses and Moses kept telling them to be patient and that God had provided for them all that they needed as they traveled. But still, they were unhappy and eventually they turned from God. Because of that, they were no longer protected. And you see, the Israelites had turned on Moses. Then they became ungrateful for all the things that God had done for them. So they began to speak against God and they sinned against him. And once that happened, out came the poisonous snakes. It was hopeless until God had Moses create a bronze serpent on a staff. Then, they, then and only then, was there a way for them to live if they were bit, right? God instructed them that if they were bitten by a snake, they needed only to look upon the staff and they wouldn't die. The staff was a symbol. It says it is totally illogical to think that looking at a bronze image could heal anyone from snake bite. But the point was that it takes an act of faith in God's plan to find salvation and healing from sin. 
God was reminding them to look to him whenever they got in trouble instead of complaining about it and hardening their hearts against him. But they were to look to God and he would be there for him, right? Promise keeper he is. God has done so much for us even when we didn't deserve it. So all we can do is be grateful and continue to say thank you to him. Well, now how does this story from olden Bible times relate to you? Well, have you ever received a gift for your birthday or Christmas that you've been waiting for for a long time, right? Once you finally get it, you are so excited and you are so happy and you love it so much. Maybe it was a toy or a game that you played with all the time. And even when you weren't playing with it, you were thinking about it because it was such a great thing. But then a few months go by and you sort of stop thinking about it as much, right? Then a few more weeks and months go by and you see someone with a better, newer toy or game and whatever that thing was that you had and that you loved so much before, you now start complaining about that thing that you used to love. You wish it was better or newer, like the newer thing that your friend now has. For me, it's this, right? My smartphone. I remember when I got my first iPhone. I used to have one of these. Remember these? The flip phone? Remember when they were the best thing out there and you could text someone by pushing a number button a number of times until you got a single letter? Remember that? And then I got my iPhone and I loved it. I loved it for about a year, right? And then the newer one came out. And then soon I sort of hated my old one. There was something newer and better and I found that I was discontent with what I had. You know, the Israelites felt the same way in that story today. Remember when the Israelites were traveling in the wilderness and when they were thirsty, God provided them with water and they were, when they were hungry, he miraculously provided them with food and even quail? Well, fast forward to where they were today in this story and now they're complaining about all of that, just like I did with my phone. Well, they're now saying that the food that they have isn't good enough anymore. In one Bible translation, they called this miraculous food that God had provided for them worthless food. Then they started complaining even about being rescued from Egypt, which resulted in them turning away from God. And then out came the venomous snakes as punishment. Many were bitten by the snakes and even died and because of the choices they made. A lot of you think it's a bit silly that they experienced such awesome miracles like the water and the manna and still were able to turn from God, but it's happened before. Remember Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? They were living the dream, weren't they? They literally had everything that they could possibly need. All they had to do was not eat from one tree, just one, and along comes another snake. And after spending a little time with Eve, both Adam and Eve sin. Instead of obeying God, they were discontent, right? They didn't trust that God knew what was best for them. They believed that there was something better out there just like the Israelites and their miracle, miraculous miracle food. They were discontent and they were separated from God and they begged Moses to ask God for help. And once he did that, God made a way for them to be saved, to make a bronze serpent and put it on a staff. Anyone bitten by a snake need only to look upon the statue and be saved. Do you see the symbolism of the serpent on the snap, on the serpent on the staff? Just like Jesus on the cross. 
You need only to look to God and Jesus on the cross and you will find your way. Looking to Jesus and choosing to follow him is our only way to be saved from our spiritual death, right? We have to remember that a relationship with Jesus is the only way to have lasting satisfaction and to keep our hearts from being discontent. Now for you young ones, it means that you need to keep Jesus in your heart always and always remember that he loves you and he will always, always provide you with what you need. Let's end this time in prayer. Thank you, God, for creating a way for us to remember that you are all we need and you will always provide for us. Help us to be content and to keep you in our hearts always. It is in your name we pray these things. Amen. Our first reading this morning comes from the book of Numbers. Though God provides food and water for the Israelites in the wilderness, they whine and grumble. They forget about the salvation they experienced in the Exodus. God punishes them for their sin, but when they repent, God also provides a means of healing, a bronze serpent lifted up on a pole. A reading from Numbers, chapter 21. From Mount Hor, the Israelites set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, but the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole, and whenever a serpent bit anyone, someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes from the book of Ephesians. While we were dead in our sinfulness, God acted to make us alive as a gift of grace in Christ Jesus. We are saved not by what we do, but by grace through faith. Thus, our good works are really a reflection of God's grace at work in our lives. A reading from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath, of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. We sing together our gospel acclamation.
Our gospel reading um, is taken from the third chapter in John. For just a bit of context, Jesus is explaining the salvation of God to a religious leader named Nicodemus. As part of his teaching, Jesus refers to the story that we heard in our first reading for today about the Israelites in the wilderness. Jesus says, just as those Israelites who looked upon the bronze serpent were healed, so too will salvation come through the cross in beholding Christ lifted up. The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. It is by grace we are saved. Paul's words, of course, from his letter to the Ephesians. It is by grace we are saved, not by the good or bad that we do or fail to do, not by our amazing successes or our floundering failures, not by the faith we hold or the faith we lack when we falter. No, we are saved by the grace of God in Christ Jesus. For God so loved the world, as our gospel proclaims. It is God who first loves us. It always begins with God, who loves and saves us in all the ways that we need saving. Now we know that how we live our faith, what we do in and for the world matters immensely, but not for our salvation. Rather, it matters for the impact we can make, for the love and healing and hope we have the opportunity to share. But our salvation, or that we are loved, does not change through any of our doing or lack thereof. Foundational to our Lutheran Christian roots is that we don't save ourselves. We are called to service, but we are saved by grace. There's a story that still moves me, written by Walt Wangren Jr. I'm sure I've shared this, shared this story before, but if I'm not sick of it, hopefully you aren't either. Wangren tells this story in his book, The Manger is Empty, written back in 1998. It's a story about his son, Matthew, who from the age of seven to nine had this unbreakable habit of stealing comic books. For three years, the Wangrens tried to get their son to stop stealing comic books, but nothing worked. Finally, as a last option, they resorted to spanking, which back in the 70s was viewed differently than today. But even then, for the Wangrens, it felt like a measure so drastic that after the fact, Walt left the room in tears. His son Matthew didn't cry, but Walt cried. But Matthew did stop stealing comic books. The Wangrens believed that this last and final resort had finally paid off. Their punishment, their laying down the law, finally curbed Matthew's naughty behavior. This is how Walt concludes his story. He writes, I thought the change that had occurred in my son was because of the spanking. I thought the law had done it. The law can do many things, of course. It can frighten a child till his eyes go wide. 
It can restrain him and blame him and shame him, surely, but it cannot change him. So it was with Israel, so it is with all the people of God, so it was with Matthew. Mercy alone transfigures the human heart. For this is the final truth of my story, Walt continues. Years after that spanking, Matthew and his mother were driving home from the shopping center. They were discussing things that had happened in the past. The topic of comic books came up. Matthew said, you know, mom, I haven't stolen comic books for a long, long time. His mother said, I know. She spoke the words with gratitude. I know, Matthew, and I'm glad. Do you know why I stopped the stealing? Sure, said his mother, because dad spanked you. No, mom, shaking his head. No, he said, because dad cried. Walt concludes, it was love that accomplished what the law could not, tears more powerful than any command. Satan, you are defeated. My God has loved my Matthew. I happen to love this story both as a parent and as a child because I've seen so many glimpses of this truth in my own parenting. And I've certainly known the power of love unearned and probably dang hard to practice at times from my own parents when I was growing up. Stolen comic books probably would have been easy in comparison. So thank you, mom and dad. How grateful I am for the love that has surrounded me. For it is love. Love is what saves us. Love lived out in time and patience and presence. Love is far more effective in shaping our children, our friends, our neighbors for that matter. Mercy is always more powerful than judgment. John 3.16 is arguably one of the most familiar, most memorized, most quoted, most likely to be held up at a sporting events passages in all of scripture. Many have called this verse the gospel in a nutshell. But Jesus speaks these words in the context of a much larger conversation with a man named Nicodemus, a Pharisee, who only comes to talk to Jesus by night in secret. Nicodemus will eventually be one who by the end of John's gospel comes to faith in Jesus. But at this point in John's gospel, in the metaphor this gospel writer loves, Nicodemus remains in darkness. He doesn't see clearly who Jesus is or his purpose. Jesus shines much light, however, as he teaches Nicodemus about faith and discipleship. It's like new birth, new life, Jesus says. Jesus teaches Nicodemus about the spirit of God at work in unlikely people and places. Jesus teaches, teaches Nicodemus that faith is like walking in the light with God. The faith is a relationship that calls us out from our darkness, whatever that darkness may be. Faith directs us to our truth, to an honesty about ourselves, our mistakes, our uncertainties, our fear, our insecurities, so that our truth in our fullness with every part of our self exposed can allow for us to be fully loved by God anyway. Finally, in teaching Nicodemus, Jesus brings to mind this strange Old Testament story, a story that Nicodemus, as a teacher of the law, would have known well. Jesus reminds him of the days of wilderness wanderings, when the people of Israel were grumbling about Moses, grumbling about God, turning away from God. Poisonous snakes descended upon them, and they interpreted this as God's punishment. So the Israelites cried out to God for deliverance. And through Moses, God uses a rather strange and surprising thing to save them. Moses forms a bronze serpent, mounts it on a pole, and hoists it in the air. They face their truth, their sin, their falling away from God. And when the Israelites gaze upon the bronze serpent, they are healed, saved. 
As Jesus recalls this story, he says to Nicodemus, so too must the Son of Man be lifted up. No less surprising or shocking than healing by way of a bronze serpent is the promise that God would live and breathe in a peasant carpenter's son, would die a criminal's death, and through him would bring to the world healing and hope. Through perceived weakness, through vulnerability, through humility, through solidarity with those who suffer, those who are left out and overlooked, those who are judged, through perceived weakness and solidarity with the powerless God in Christ Jesus would bring healing and hope. Through looking upon ourselves and the world in all our truth, God would bring healing and hope. For God so loved the world Cosmos actually is the term. You, me, earth, sky, star, moon, all, everything. For God in this way loved the world that believing, gazing upon Jesus, we would have life. Now we tend to hear this beloved verse as speaking about heaven, about a promise for someday. But in truth, that's only a glimpse of the promise Jesus proclaims. For eternal life, according to John's gospel, is a present reality. It is something that those who believe in Jesus have now. And it might actually be better to translate it as unending life, because it begins now in each moment of faith to continue forever. This unending life is not just a measure of time either. Eternal life, unending life in John's gospel is a way of describing life that's lived out in the unending presence of God. To have eternal life is to be given and to experience life in all its fullness as a child of God. I read somewhere that eternal life is not about pie in the sky when you die, but rather more about making good sound on the ground while you're around. I kind of like that. And I think it's particularly true about our purpose as the church, making good sound on the ground while we're around. So if salvation is unending life, then judgment is not just some distant endpoint either. Rather, judgment too is about living in the light. The Greek word, krisis, translated in our reading as judgment, refers less to a rendering of a sentence than it does to a separating or a revealing. Judgment here is like an uncovering or a disclosing. It's not so much about naming a punishment, but rather about illuminating a present reality. The verses that follow John 3.16 are, in other words, more descriptive than they are accusatory. When we believe that God is love, we are saved. As we look to the one lifted up for healing, when we cannot imagine that God comes bringing love rather than punishment, we are lost. Lost in despair, in sin, in confusion. We're stuck in the dark. Stuck in believing that God's judgment must be just like our human judgment. Stuck in the dark, believing we are too unlovable for God's grace or mercy. Stuck in the dark, stuck in our own rightness, believing we don't need God's grace, God's mercy at all. But Jesus brings light to our darkness. Jesus frees us to see more clearly ourselves and to see more clearly the world which God loves. Jesus brings light to our darkness and invites us to stand in that light, not hiding parts of ourselves or pretending we are without flaw, but standing in our truth, surrounded by the truth of God's love, which holds us up and holds us fast, which saves us from ourselves, our egos, our guilt, our shame, our overinflatedness, and our undervaluedness. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal unending life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Each new day that we get to face in this life, 
will bring countless opportunities to affect the world. To show mercy, to forgive, to be generous, to be brave, to be honest, and to participate in God's good purposes. And whenever we don't, God's light will just keep shining, such that each new day will also bring new opportunities to learn and grow, to look back at our wrongness, and to grasp anew the love that is within us, the love that is all around us. So my friends, what will you do with this new day before you? What kind of sound on the ground will you make? Whatever it is, may it bring joy both to you and through you. And may it echo the unbounded love that surrounds you. In the name of Christ. Amen. We sing together our hymn of the day, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, hymn number 779. church, the world, and all in need. After each petition, we sing together, O Lord, hear my prayer. Holy God, you sent your Son that the world might be saved, healed, and made whole through him. Inspire the witness of the church throughout the world and the witness of peoples of all faiths. Bless the work of those who seek to follow Jesus those who call upon you by different names, and those who walk in the ways of justice, mercy, and love, 
that we may bear witness to your saving love. Creator God, from east to west your steadfast love is shown. Nourish seas and deserts, wilderness areas and cities. Give water to thirsty lands. Nurture spring growth that feeds hungry creatures and bless farmers as they prepare for the growing season. We pray to the you to share a sign of peace with those with whom you are gathered as we greet one another here and as we send our love and greetings to all of you. Peace. I want to say thank you for your continued generosity and for all of the ways that you have supported the work of Jesus in our community 
and especially the work and ministry of our Savior's Lutheran Church. Your support of our ministry is vital as we continue to walk and follow in the ways of Jesus. We welcome your offering to our shared ministry. You are invited to send your offering to our church office or to use the online giving option, which you can find on our website at oslmp.com. If you have not yet gathered bread and wine or juice to celebrate Holy Communion, I invite you to do that now as we sing together our offertory, Create in Me a Clean Heart, hymn number 188. Let us pray. Faithful God, you walk beside us in desert places, and you meet us in our hunger with bread from heaven. Accompany us in this meal, that we may pass over from death to life with Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus has taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. As we gather around our virtual table this morning to receive together the gifts of God, we do indeed receive gifts of God, grace upon grace, mercy unending. You are beloved. Receive this meal this gift of God's love outpoured. The body of Christ is given for you. The blood of Christ is shed for you. As you receive these gifts this morning, we also receive a gift of music shared by our guest musician, Laura Eller. She'll be sharing after a
Thank you, Laura and Michaela, for that beautiful offering. The body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Let us pray. God of steadfast love, at this table, you gather your people into one body for the sake of the world. Send us in the power of your spirit that our lives might bear witness to the love that has made us new in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Beloved, as you enter now into the rest of this Sabbath day that the Lord has made for you, receive this blessing. You are what God made you to be, created in Christ Jesus for good works, chosen as holy and beloved, free to serve your name. God bless you, that you may be a blessing in the name of the holy and life-giving Trinity. Amen. I share now with you a few announcements. The first, um, a reminder that our midweek, our Wednesday morning, uh, morning prayer services continue. We meet via Zoom Wednesday mornings, 8.45 for a little fellowship time, and then 9 o'clock that prayer service begins. If you are interested in joining us, just send me a quick email and I'll make sure to forward the Zoom link to you. Our Lenten, our midweek Lenten night worship services also continue this week via Zoom at 6.30 p.m. You can find the link to that Zoom worship service right on the front page of our website. Throughout this Lenten season, your Ministry Outside Our Walls Committee has been challenging you um, to make an additional Lenten offering to Stepping Stones to support the work that they are do, doing in helping um, to house those um, people in our community who are in need of shelter, that um, those uh, needs have increased um, rather dramatically over this past year in response to COVID, and Stepping Stones is doing a remarkable job of finding places for them to stay in local hotel rooms. The cost of an average night stay for a family or for a single uh, person is about $70, and we um, invite you to make an offering to Stepping Stones directly. Um, you can include the word shelter in the memo line, and that money will be directed towards that shelter program. So thank you for that offering. I want to share with you some exciting plans that are underway for Palm Saturday. That's right, Palm Saturday, the Saturday before Palm Sunday. We will be hosting here at OSL, not a drive-through, but a walk-through. You will be invited to come to the church park and then walk through the building um, into the friendship room where um, our director of children and family ministries is creating a beautiful backdrop and photo booth. Uh, you'll be able to take a photo if you wish. And you'll also be invited to record a part of that Easter proclamation Christ is risen, alleluia. He is risen indeed, alleluia. Don't tell anybody I said that word during Lent. It's still buried. But that's what we'll be asking you to say on that Saturday. We'll record it and we'll string those videos together and share that Easter proclamation video in our Easter service um, on that Easter Sunday. Um, and then as you leave the building, we have a number of gifts for you. We'll have a palm branch that you can have available for worship on Palm Sunday as well as some other items for use during Holy Week. That walkthrough will take place here at OSL from 10.30 in the morning until 12.30 on Palm Saturday, March 27th. Finally, I remind you that if you have any prayer concerns or if you wish to speak with a parish nurse, one of your pastors or any member of the staff, we are here for you and you can find all of our contact information on our website at oslme.com. Just reach out and we will be happy to connect with you. Finally, our worship now concludes as we sing together our ascending hymn, There in God's Garden. It's hymn number 342, and we will sing verses one through four. 
in peace, share the good news. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God.